1: I want to wrap
0: up a series of messages we've been involved in for Christmas this year called Discover. We've been talking about some of the discoveries of Joseph and Mary at that very first Christmas. And I want to talk to you this weekend about the certainty of supply. With Christmas comes a a dimension of mystery. I'm sure that you've had that moment when you've walked around a Christmas tree and you've looked under the Christmas tree to see if if there's a box, if there's a package, if something is wrapped under the tree for you. And if you're like me, I've oftentimes picked up those gifts and I'll shake them a little bit, sort of look at the size of the box and just wonder what really is on the inside. Looking forward to unpacking it and discovering the mystery of what is there. Well, in the first Christmas, Joseph and Mary had this experience of Christ, the Christ child coming into the world. And they discovered some wonderful things in their relationship with God that very first Christmas that we're looking at together as well. And as I said, I want to talk this weekend about one of the discoveries of Joseph and Mary that first Christmas. It is the discovery of God's certain supply. We're going to talk today about the supply of God in your life and the certainty of that supply. The word certain is a very important word to emphasize today because that means to be free from doubt. It means to be confident that God wants you and I to be free from any doubt and be completely confident in the supply that he wants to bring into our lives. Joseph and Mary learned something about God being their source of supply. And I want to remind you as we're starting this series today that God is a divine supernatural supplier, He is, in fact, the divine provider. As you go through the pages of Scripture, you will see over and over again the men and women of faith throughout the pages of the Bible who discovered God as their provider, God as their supplier. I know that in my own life I've seen the wonderful work of God's blessing and taking care of our needs in our own lives and families, as I'm sure you have, and so many testimonies throughout the years and centuries and even current contemporary today that we have in our lives of God demonstrating His ability to meet every need in our lives. It's very clear and Scripture, their promises associated with this. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 as the Apostle Paul is writing to the believers at Philippi, in the territory of Macedonia, he reminds them, and my God will supply all of your needs or fill until full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want you to remember that God is the one who liberally supplies everything that you need. He's not a God who is stingy. He is a God who liberally or generously pours out upon you. I love 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 where it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, I love that phrase, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God's plan for your life and what God wants to show you in your life is the beauty of Him being your divine provider. Mary and Joseph discover this, and I want us to discover again freshly today the promise of God being our provider. I want to share with you four things that God provides in our life that you can have the assurance that God will provide you. Number one, God provides timely wisdom and timely direction. We learned this from the story of Joseph and Mary, that they discovered that God was the God who made sure that his wisdom and his direction was right on time for Joseph and Mary. It's true for us as well. Those of you that are around the Montgomery County area here realize that we have a, a road called I-370, and I-370 comes off of I-270, and a while back I was driving, uh, driving north on 270 and wanted to take the exit into 370 to head to Shady Grove Road, and that was the path I was going to take, and so I, I got on 370, and, and I, I forgot something, I, I forgot to pay attention to the exits, because if you go on 370 too far, you'll miss the last exit before a toll. And so I found myself missing that sign. And so I had to go all the way to Olney. And those of you who are familiar with the area will know where Olney is and, and make a turn to, to change my direction because I, I missed a sign. I, the wisdom was there. The direction was there, but, but it didn't come to me in a timely manner. See, it's not just a matter in life of needing wisdom and direction. You need it on time. You need timely guidance. Timeliness is critical. It is valuable to us. And many times we can have great insights about the mistakes we've made in our future, but the better thing is to gain wisdom in the moment timely guidance and timely. Wisdom Joseph and Mary in their story we find a couple that is heading down the road of life very much like I was heading down that particular road they were heading down the road of life and they had some plans they had determined they were going to get married they had planned a life together they were likely thinking about someday securing a home and becoming financially stable and at some point in the future some point way down the line perhaps they god willing they were they were perhaps thinking about having children, and they didn't realize at the moment that their plans did not exactly match up with God's plans for their life, and they were about to speed past God's plan. But in that moment, God stepped in to provide wisdom and direction to them in a timely moment. Before they missed the exit, before they missed the opportunity, there was a timeliness of God. Let me take you to Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 26, and then we'll go down through verse 25. And notice the timeliness of God's intervention. God provided a timely set of directions for Mary and Joseph. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Here's this moment what's called oftentimes the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, this is God's plan for you. God has chosen you to be the bearer of the Christ child. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and see this interaction that God has with Joseph. We're looking at both of these moments of timely intervention and timely guidance. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her Quietly, But after he considered this, so he's thinking about this plan, what he's going to do and how he's going to put Mary quietly away. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Let's start with Mary. Mary in this moment when angel, the angel Gabriel comes to her, she was, she has this interruption from God. She has this moment when God steps in in a matter of moments and her world is invaded and by God's wisdom and direction, timely wisdom and direction, God says, this is my plan for your life. Before she was married to Joseph, it was a timely Moment. The same for Joseph. At the very right time, while he's considering putting her away and saying, You know, I'm just going to try to make this thing as quiet as possible. I, want, I don't want her to be disgraced in any way. The Holy Spirit shows up through an angel and speaks to Joseph and gives him wisdom and direction. But it happens in a timely manner. When you and I are seeking God's will for our lives and trying to remain responsive to him, we can be sure that God will provide us wisdom and direction right when we need it. It will come to us just like for Joseph and Mary at exactly the right time. Here's some things to remember about the the timeliness of God's wisdom. God has promised it to you that you can be assured as a follower of Jesus that that wisdom and that direction has been promised to you. You need to rest in that reality. It's something that happens in the routine of life. You don't have to be doing anything special for God to show up in your life. Mary and Joseph are going about their life, but they were seeking to follow God, and God in the midst of their routine life stepped in. And so you need to be faithful to the routines of life. And then note that God's will and God's direction in your life it's going to always stretch you more than you've ever been stretched before. It's going to challenge your growth and move you forward. Joseph and Mary were challenged in that moment to trust God in a way they had never trusted him before. And it's extremely important that you and I seek it because we want not only the will of God, but the timely wisdom and the timely direction of God. Joseph and Mary discovered the certainty of God's timely wisdom and direction. Number two, you and I can be certain that God will always supply to us as we seek him for it, our personal sense of calling and purpose. In the midst of the world that we live in, sadly, we tend to segment people into into two basic categories. We don't normally think about this consciously, but it's easy for us to fall into this trap. It's a trap of the world. Certain people are considered important and other people are considered unimportant. Now, that's not the way God looks at the world at all. It's never the case with God. With God, every person is equally important. Let me say that again. Every person is equally important. Think about Joseph and Mary. I want you to think about them for a moment. They were a very ordinary young couple. Nothing really special about them. If you were walking through a crowd of people during the day that Joseph and Mary walked on the face of the earth, you would have not noticed them as being particularly unusual people or particularly important people. They were just just common folks. They were just like any other young couple in Israel during that time, uh, making plans for their future, probably hundreds of couples planning their marriage during the same time that Joseph and Mary were. Nothing that the world would have notified as being, this is a special couple, but God noted them for a plan. God noted them for a purpose. God was calling them for something more in their life and even though they were ordinary their ordinariness if you will did not disqualify them from something very unique and important to God and I want you to remember today that you are equally important and valuable to God you don't have to feel as though you're special or super important just being ordinary is enough for God God uses ordinary people and God has supplied you, yes, you, with a calling, with a life calling, with a life purpose. Let's look at what the Bible says about this. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful who has called you. Notice that. God is faithful who has called you. That's you. You and me. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So obviously we'll come back to this in a moment. The first calling that we have in life is into fellowship with Jesus. And that from that flows every other calling of life. 2 Peter 1, 10 10 and 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your, what's that word there? Your calling. You might want to circle it on your notes. Your calling, an election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is a confirmed calling for your life. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. God's words translate, translation. There are different types of work to do, but the same God produces every gift in every person. So there's a gift given to every person to provide uh, benefit to the kingdom of God. First, uh, excuse me, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. For you, the, the psalmist David said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because... I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So David, as he thought about his own life, said, God, I'm going to praise you because when I look at my life, I know that I'm fearfully or reverently and wonderfully made. I want you to be able to say that about yourself, that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully, that is reverently and wonderfully. You're a magnificent creation of God. You may feel very ordinary, but in your ordinariness, there's a plan and a calling for each of our lives." lives and God wants to provide that sense of calling that purpose for your life. Don't ever doubt that you have a calling from God in your life and never doubt that you have a purpose for your life. How do you live out your purpose? You live out your purpose by as I mentioned a moment ago, first of all giving your life to Jesus is where it starts. There is no purpose in life apart from Jesus. You can't just make up your own purpose. To understand God's purpose for your life, you need a relationship with Jesus. And once you start that relationship with with Jesus, you need to be growing as a Christian. That is, you're into God's word. You're fellowshipping with him. You're learning something about how to grow in your faith. You're connected with church life. You're involved in being fed the word of God. You're giving your best to God in every opportunity that he provides your way. That That you're living your life in a way that's saying, God, I'm going to live for you. And so this is how you discover your purpose. You make sure that you have the right people around. You that can confirm and direct the calling of God in your life, but you need to be certain that God is a provider. Discover the reality of God's provision, God's supply in your life. Yes, He supplies you with timely wisdom and direction, but He also supplies you with a sense of calling, with a sense of purpose. And part of my prayer for you this weekend is you'll begin to discover and be aware of, or certainly be confident in the fact that God has a calling and purpose for your life. Number three, our third point this weekend you can be certain that God's going to supply the needed resources in your life. Following this announcement, think about it with me for a moment. Let's go back to that first Christmas. There's this moment that both Mary and Joseph received this angelic visitation and they're told what God's plan is for their life. And in that moment, they faced financial challenge immediately. How are they going to provide and how they're going to be taken care of for this this life that they were planning and now there's a child that they're going to have to take care of as well. How will they be taken care of? What will be the provision for them to fulfill the plan? See, oftentimes in life we perhaps have a sense of what we need to be doing with our life but you have to have the provision to fulfill the plan. So they soon discovered what you and I can discover as well. We can be certain that God provides for every need of his children. And this was the case for them. They discovered it the night that Jesus was born. Let me take you back to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4, down through verse 7. And I want you to see how God took care of them the night that Jesus came into the world. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Let's stop there for a moment. So this is the night that that Jesus is going to be born into the world. This is, if you will, the Christmas Eve leading to that Christmas day of Christ's birth, Christ coming into our world, the very first one. And so they've now gone from Nazareth which is in northern Galilee. And they've gone down to Judea, to Bethlehem, because it's a it's an edict that's been given that they have to be registered again. And so they all are coming there. People are coming to make sure their names are on the proper rolls and to do what the government was requiring of them in that moment. So now they're in a place where they had no home. They had no bed. They were not at their house. They were actually, they were actually in a place that they needed a room. They needed a place to stay, especially given the fact that Mary is great with child. She about to give birth he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and and was expecting a child while they were there that is in Bethlehem from Nazareth to Bethlehem while they were there the time came for the baby to be born she gave birth to her firstborn a son she wrapped him in clothes placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them let's stop there for a moment think about this just for a moment here they are and they're in a, a strange place. They didn't live in Bethlehem. And they're trying to find a room and there's no rooms seemingly available for them. But somewhere at some point, we're not told exactly how, there was someone that provided a stable. And in that stable with more than likely animals around as we often see the nativity scene and a manger. We're not quite sure what the manger looked like, but there was a manger that was there that was a feeding trough for animals. And there in that moment... Mary gave birth in a place provided by God. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't seem like such a fancy place. Well, that's the very point of it, that God, when he sent his son into the world, said, I'm going to choose to put him in the place that I've designed for him. I will provide the need, but there will also be a message behind the need. I will bring him into the world in a stable, and he will lie in a manger, a feeding trough for animals to show that I'm willing to come down to the lowest place on earth to the lowest place that we might consider being born. And I'm going to prove to the world that I care for the lowest person, that there's no one that is too low for me to reach. And there in that moment, God made provision. And of course, it's a part of the story that we know so well, so wonderfully well of how Jesus came into our world. This beautiful nativity scene, the beautiful birth of Jesus, yes, in the stable proving that the king of kings can reach the lowest of individuals. What a great moment. But now they have Jesus born into the world. They've got this, 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 this child to take care of. And there's this moment that they're, they're, they're concerned about what's going to happen next. And so how are they going to take care of him? And it's very interesting in the story that now God sends to them some additional resources. You can read about it in the Bible as well, as we'll read in just a moment in the book of Matthew chapter 2. There came some wise men from the east who saw a star that directed them to Jerusalem and ultimately from Jerusalem to Bethlehem where the child was and they come and they bring gifts and those gifts were resources. God sent magi, sent wise men from far away to make sure that that little family was taken care of. Think about it for a moment. Here's the lowly birth in a manger with shepherds, perhaps one of the lowliest uh, occupations you could have during those days surrounding and being told of the birth of the Savior and shepherds coming and worshiping and yet Not much longer, we have the wise men, the elite, the highest dimensions of society. And so God says, in the coming of the Messiah into the world, there's no one that's too low for me, and I'm there to reach the highest echelon of society as well. Notice what happens in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Once again, we see that just the right moment, God provided everything that they had need of. God is a divine provider. What are you needing in your life today? What are the needs in your life? Our needs are not just financial. Our needs are spiritual and emotional and relational. And yes, including the financial realms of life and all kinds of aspects of need in our life. But God is the one who is the divine provider. If he did it for Joseph and Mary, he will do it for you. He is not a respecter of persons. You and I need to discover the reality that our God is the divine provider. Let me bring us to a conclusion today with our last point. Something that you and I need to discover very clearly. That not only is God our, God, our divine provider. But he's also our divine protector. He, is, he provides for us divine protection. Go back in the story of Joseph and Mary for a moment. Now Jesus has been born in, the Bethlehem, in Bethlehem in the manger. The, the stable there. And then ultimately they end up in a house somewhere. And the wise men come. And they, they're presenting to Joseph and Mary gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then something else happens not long after that. Let me read for you Matthew chapter 2, what transpired, because it's very important to note what transpired. When they'd gone, that's when the magi, the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape. And that word escape implies danger. And escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him here's this picture these wise men come they present their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh they worship at the, at the foot of Jesus they honor him even though he's a, he's a child and then they leave and right after they leave God begins to speak by an angel to, in a dream to Joseph again and says Joseph here's what you need to, need to do get up And take the child and the mother. You need to escape from this place because King Herod has a plan to destroy, to search for this baby child because he's been called the king of the Jews. And so he's feeling threatened, Herod is, by this. And so he's going to search for the child to kill him, get up and move. That is God is now speaking in a word that is going to provide protection to this child. And by the way, it's very interesting beautiful of the fact that God knew this ahead of time. And even though Joseph and Mary at the moment didn't understand the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it was those very resources that would help Joseph and Mary to be taken care of in the baby for the two years that were going to be down in Egypt, that God was taking care of them. But not only would they provide it for physically, financially, but they were also protected by God.